Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Doctor Report with Tyler Jones. I'm Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up here in just a few minutes, we're going to be joined by Daily Oklahoman sports columnist, the pride of Oklahoma City, Jenny Carlson, is set to join us. A lot to talk about with Jenny coming up here in a few minutes from right now. She's been in Oklahoma City for quite some time. Also a uh, University of Kansas graduate, J-School graduate. Uh, so a lot to talk about with Jenny. Great conversation coming up here in just a, a few minutes from right now. So don't miss out on that. Thomas Bridges here with me today as well. And uh, Thomas, uh, I mean, looking back at the weekend, they had that big story come out about this kid, Keaton Jones. And I had no idea who this guy was. And, you know, he gets, I guess he gets bullied in the school. And then, you know, his mom puts this video up. And I don't know about you, Tom, but I was suspect of this the entire time when this was going on. First off, your kid just got bullied. And then you put him on social media. That makes no sense whatsoever. And then all these celebrities come out. Oh, I feel bad for you. How about you come, you know, to my events? You know, how about I give you this money? Donate to my GoFundMe. All this stuff. I'm, I'm like, are you kidding me? The kid got bullied. We all got bullied in school, and I didn't get fifty thousand dollars. I didn't get meet, you know, LeBron James because I got bullied in school. You know what? You fight power with power, and then sure enough, Tom, we come to find out that. Uh, it appears, you know, allegedly, that the kid actually said the N-word to uh, some black kids and uh, that also the uh, mom didn't want her kid meeting some of these celebrities. She just wanted money to be donated. I saw this coming all along. It was fake. It was set up. I mean, it was what you would totally expect for something like this, Tom. Yeah, I'm half-ass not surprised at it. Only because it was, I mean, yeah, the kid's emotion is probably real, but the mom behind it probably thought, you know what, we could probably submit this to social media, and at the same time, we could probably get a lot of publicity, maybe some money, maybe some special events, like, hey, come meet with me, come do this with me, come, let's do this together. Uh, I mean, you had, you know, Dana White, LeBron James, uh, just, to, just to name a few that I saw on Twitter, uh, not to mention countless more people uh, saying that um, maybe some movie premieres. I think Chris Evans, like Avengers type guy, said, hey, come see the Avengers premiere with me, yada, yada, yada. Then it comes out, not surprisingly, kind of to me at least, it was kind of I was like, oh, wow. Well, you know, if, the, if this all happened, why would you even go ahead and post this on social media? Because the black backlash is going to be so bad comes out he's saying racial slurs to black kids come on of course you're you know, he might as well got his ass kicked oh uh, yeah and then wants to cry to his mom oh yeah yeah i mean uh and then she's been linked to you know uh there's been pictures of her holding you know, a confederate flag and and all these different things going on here you know i mean like we're supposed to feel sorry for this kid and sorry for this family i i, I actually i take that back I do feel sorry for this kid because that family, the way they've raised him, you know, that, hey, you know, if you're not getting your way, if you're getting, you know, you know, bullied, whatever, for using a racial slur, that that's apparently okay and that you can try to go make money off of that. I'm, I feel sorry for the kid that that's his parents, that that's the example that he's dealt with in this situation. That's who I feel sorry for, Tom. Yeah, 
Yeah, as do I, because the kid... He's a I, kid! You know what? Yeah, he's a kid. How old is he? Probably 11? Yeah. 9? 10? Yeah. 11? Yeah, so I feel sorry for him. He, he, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say he doesn't know better. Uh, but it is Tennessee. That is the South. Um, there is a, you know... They still spank so kids than, in school in uh, Tennessee. Yeah, no, it's still terrible. It definitely is still terrible. But at the same time, people, in my opinion, aren't born, you know, born of racism or, or you know, born with race racial tendencies. Uh, this is just a product of parenting, of what he was raised in, what he's seen, what he's heard. The kid's 9, 10, 11 years old, maybe. Uh, and it's kind of, you know, as, as kids, we project our parents, uh, that we project their beliefs, whether it be political, religious, uh, moral beliefs. We just project kind of what they have taught us. So I do and don't put it on him, but at the same time, like, this is how he was raised. This is what he's seen. This is what he's been taught. Uh, so until he gets a bit older and realizes, hey, maybe this isn't what shouldn't happen, uh, we have to, you know, put the majority of the blame on the parents, which being his mom, being his dad, uh, it is Tennessee. I don't want to be, you know, say the state's to blame, but it is Tennessee. It is more south than Oklahoma for sure as, as far as beliefs go, so... Man, it does suck for the kid because, you know, when he gets older, he's going to look back and they're going to be like, yeah, that's that kid that called everybody the N-word yeah. back in the day. Oh, the, yeah, yeah. I mean, the fact time. that this kid's name got attached, you know, I mean, if it was Keaton from Tennessee, this could all be forgotten about or whatever. No, people know Keaton Jones. And the internet, this stuff doesn't go away. This kid's life is pretty much ruined, you know, because, you know, 10, 20 years from now, People could do a Google search and say, oh, you're Keaton Jones from Knoxville, Tennessee. You look like that kid in that, that video that uh, everybody's crying about. Yep, yeah, that was me. He's going to follow this kid forever. So uh, horrible parenting, just awful stuff. And, uh, I mean, this kid is uh, done for, done so done. But uh, that really, really sucks. But moving on, uh, let's talk, uh, I don't know how we transitioned from that, but to the college football <laughs> playoff. And, uh, I mean, we have the four teams that are set. We haven't got to talk about it since it was announced, Tom. But here we are, and it's going to be Oklahoma taking on Georgia, Alabama taking on Clemson. And they got the four teams right. Ohio State is not very good. They lost, you know, to an Iowa team, you know, by, you know, 30-some-odd points. They got their butts whooped at home by Oklahoma. Uh, That Ohio State team is just not very good. They got the four teams right. And we see a very, you know, southern college football playoff here. Oklahoma, you know, blends in with the rest of those southern schools, you know, as far as passion and and attitude, you know, energy and all that. You know, I mean, if Oklahoma joined the SEC tomorrow, they would fit right in, essentially. Um, You know, you have, you know, those two SEC schools, Georgia and Alabama, Clemson and OU. Um, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of national interest in this because – it's Southern schools, uh, but I do think that uh, for this era, you know, for those uh, four teams, this is huge, and this is the most competitive college football playoff 
to date to this point. Any one of these four teams, Tom, could win the college football playoff, and I would not be surprised. The differences between these four, uh, I think they're uh, they're very, very close. Uh, and, and just to prove that point, you know, Vegas says Alabama actually is the favorite, and they're the four seed. Yeah, they are the four seed, and, and they did sneak in, and Wisconsin had basically one job to secure their spot. Didn't happen like we all thought it you know, we all thought they wouldn't. Um, so it is a Southern college football playoff. But, Jones, like you said, it is the four best teams, and it is the most competitive college football playoff we've seen. Like you mentioned, there, any one of these teams could win. Georgia has already beaten Alabama. It's already happened. They beat Auburn. is... I'm sorry. Yeah, and they've beaten Auburn as well. Or, I'm sorry, Auburn beat, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry. Auburn beat Bama. Georgia has already beaten Auburn. They can beat Oklahoma. That's going to be a tight game. Auburn and Clemson, great rematch up. It could go either way. Alabama. It happened. Yeah, it could go Bama or Clemson. That doesn't, that's not, it wouldn't be a surprise to me. If Bama went in and beat Clemson, it would not be a surprise. This is the most evenly matched college football playoff I, in my mind that I think we've seen. Uh, it just it's it's going to be great too. Um, you know, I guess you, like you said, Oklahoma could be put in the SEC and it would fit right in. This is essentially, uh, to me, as as big of a fan or as big of a, a non fan of the SEC that I am. This might as well be the SEC playoff. I mean, <laughs> right? that's just kind of what it comes down to. Same thing. Clemson would fit right into the SEC as well. You know, exactly. It, right. Yeah, they I would mean, fit perfectly. They might as well be SEC. Right. Right. I mean, it's it it has that feel to it. Yeah, and we're gonna send them off to you know Los Angeles to play in the Rose Bowl, OU and Georgia. Uh, you know, well, you know, I mean, if you ask the Rose Bowl and Cotton Bowl. They would probably like to switch games, even even though the Rose Bowl's oh, getting sure. a playoff game. I'm sure they would still rather have uh, USC and Ohio State than uh, OU and Georgia. And the Cotton Bowl would oh, rather have definitely. OU and Georgia. You know, the Cotton Bowl traditionally was a Big Twelve SEC game. I'm sure they'd rather have them in that playoff game than USC and Ohio State. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a little odd on that front, but I think it's great for OU to get the opportunity to play in the Rose Bowl. They've only done that one time previously, and uh, Keith Jackson hated every moment of it. The uh, longtime ABC Sports broadcaster, you know, he, he was not having it last time that happened. You know, the traditionalists hated seeing Oklahoma. How dare that Big 12 team be playing in the Rose Bowl? You know, you heard that for quite some time. And uh, they won it. Nate Hibble and company beat Washington State. Now they get to go back there and play this Georgia team. Uh, there's some excitement about this, Tom. And for Oklahoma, it's been it's been a heck of a you know last week or so. Baker Mayfield wins the Heisman Trophy. You had four OU players named to the All American First Team uh, by the uh, Football Writers Association of, of America. You know you had. Baker, Mark Andrews, uh, as well as Orlando Brown and Oboe, all named the first team more than any other school in the in the country and in the playoff here. 
Uh, Oklahoma's going to be feeling good about themselves because they have the best player in the country. That's been proven he's won the Heisman Trophy. They have more first-team All-Americans than anybody in the, the country here. And they're very confident going in this playoff that they can beat Georgia and win the next one after that. Right now, Tom, and, and they probably actually would have re- preferred to go to the Rose Bowl than play in the Sugar Bowl. They've been in the Sugar Bowl many, many times uh, as of late. For OU right now, Tom, things are looking really, really good. They're feeling, they're feeling great about the position that they're in heading to this playoff. I mean, and, and the way they destroyed TCU... Um, I would say OU's the favorite going in, and uh, they're they're riding high on a on a big tidal wave of momentum right now. As they should be. I mean, like you mentioned, they have they, they have four players. You know, Ronco, Andrews, obviously Baker, and Orlando Brown. I, I mean, they should be. They should be. Now, Georgia is not a team to take lightly by any means. Georgia is still a solid football team. That I mean, they can't. You know, it's not it's not an Oklahoma State. I mean, Georgia probably would beat an Oklahoma State. They would probably beat a TCU. They would probably beat an Iowa State. Uh, and, and in my mind, they would probably beat an Ohio State. So it's not a team to take lightly, but they are riding high. They do have the momentum, and they should be the favorite uh, going into this. Now, as far as who will show up at the Rose Bowl, OU fans versus Georgia fans, that's still to be determined. Uh, that's a game so far out west that who knows? Well, who knows? Georgia already sold their allotted tickets. Uh, OU's expected to sell theirs as well. The other thing with Georgia, too, is that if they go to the national championship, it's just right there in Atlanta in their own backyard. They don't have to travel at exactly. all. Exactly. And they already played the SEC championship right there. So all the fans, they're throwing everything out there for this trip to Pasadena. OU fans could be looking at, you know, hey, we had to go to Dallas. Then you had to go to L.A., and now you had to go to Atlanta, you know, essentially funding three trips. Dallas isn't that bad, obviously, but, I mean, that's a big difference compared to what what Georgia fans have to deal with, deal with you know, the advantage they have. So, yeah, I think OU fans will turn out in numbers, though. Uh, reports are that flights uh, from OKC to L.A. have been sold out for weeks, and flights from OKC to Atlanta for the championship game are selling out already as well. So that's a very good sign on that front. Uh, what's going on for the Sooners uh, here at this point. Looking at this, Tom, when I look at these four teams and what they bring to the table, what stands out to me is it, there's there's something different with each team. With with OU, obviously, it's the quarterback position in that offense. With Baker Mayfield and the best offense in college football, they've been able to do some great things. With, with Clemson, it's their physicality, that they're so good up front on both sides of the football. You know, they can make holes and they can get pressure on you defensively. They are probably the best team on the line of scrimmage uh, both ways in this playoff. For Georgia, it's the way they run the football. They're aggressive. They can, you know, Nick Chubb is going to be a first-round draft pick. He's had a great career at Georgia. You know, it's been a seamless transition from him, from Todd Gurley to him. They run the ball really well, and they open up the play action for Nick Fromm, and he's had a great freshman year. For Alabama, what they do, what they stand out here is they do everything well. And they've been injured the last few weeks. And they're about to get really healthy, and they had an extra week off. And while Jalen Hurts, I don't think gets the credit he deserves, he, he's been able to make plays and win football games for this team over the last couple of years. I think he's a difference maker. So to me, those are the things that stand out for all four of these teams here. And all these teams, 
they're not going to win by whoever wins this playoff, Tom. It's going to be based on who uh, uses their strengths to the best. Not necessarily who improves on their weaknesses, but who uses their strengths to the best of their abilities. Yeah, and that's definitely a good point. And, and you mentioned previously that, oh, you would rather see probably Georgia over in Alabama or Clemson to, you know, add on to that point. I think Clemson would rather see a Georgia than an Alabama or OU uh, in the first, you know, in the first battle or in the first game. You know, they've, you know, last year they Clemson beat Alabama. They can do it again. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if they did come out and beat Alabama. But like you also said, it's going to come down to whoever uses their strength the best. If you can come out, not not exactly maybe let your weakness affect you, you know, try to minimize that, obviously. But if you can come out and show your strength, show your muscle uh, in the area that you know how to use best, that's what it's going to come down to uh, in each of these games. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. Let, let me ask something that, Tom. Let me ask Georgia that. Or if, if Baker Mayfield plays to the best that we know he's capable of, OU wins this, right? I mean, if, if he plays to the best I of his so. abilities... OU wins this. I think that's what we we know about this. I'm not trying to sound like a homer at all, but I feel like if you get the best version of Baker Mayfield, they can't lose, right? You would think so. You would think so. Now, is this Georgia defense maybe a little bit better than in a Big 12 defense? Yes. Is this like you got to you got to beat Baker yeah. Mayfield to beat Oklahoma? Not to sound uh, make this too simplified, whatever, but I mean. He's got to struggle in order for them to lose. Oh, yeah. And that's what it comes down to. I mean, when they break down the three, okay, what does Georgia have to do to win this game? They usually break down three points. No, no. It only comes down to one. Make Baker Mayfield struggle. Make him I, – I don't know what the – I don't even know if you can make Baker Mayfield struggle. You have to limit him in some way. Um, are they going to be able to take this whole month off to figure that out? Are they going to figure that out? Uh, that's the biggest point. Can you figure that out? That might be the biggest question of the whole college football playoff as far as OU versus Georgia goes. Can they figure that out? Well, um, it, it reminds me of, think about Jameis Winston back when, uh, you know, when he was at Florida State. You know, he was he was awesome that first year, won the Heisman Trophy, won the national championship, and then his second season had a really good year as well. Didn't win the Heisman again, but what happened? How did Oregon beat them? They beat Jameis Winston. They picked him off a couple times. He struggled that game. That's how Oregon won, and that was the only loss Jameis Winston suffered his entire career at Florida State. Same thing with Baker Mayfield here. If Baker Mayfield plays like he's capable of, OU wins. The old, Georgia is not going to win this game if Baker Mayfield throws five touchdowns and no picks. That You can't just outscore Baker Mayfield and OU to win this game. You're going to have to force him to make mistakes, to turn over the football, get some sacks on him. You're just not going to be able to beat him by outscoring this OU team. No, definitely not. And, and that has already been proven in the Oklahoma State. It's already been proven in the Bedlam game. I mean, the K-State game as well. Yeah, and they, and they didn't shut down Baker Mayfield. He damn near threw for 500 yards, like 496 and like five touchdowns. They didn't shut him down. Glenn Spencer didn't do his job. 
as the defensive coordinator at, at Oklahoma State. They didn't shut them down. They put up enough points to damn near beat anybody in the country. They put up 52, Oklahoma State did. So if Kirby, starts, Kirby Smart doesn't figure his shit out, then it's over for them. They're, it doesn't matter where they play. It doesn't matter if it's on a neutral field. It doesn't matter if it's in Europe, Tyler Jones. It doesn't matter if you don't stop Baker Mayfield, you're not going to win. And that, that hurts for me as an Oklahoma State fan to say that, but it's the truth. Yeah, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. We'll dive into more of this with Jenny Carlson. Uh, also want to talk uh, a few other things with Jenny as well, get her thoughts on the Thunder, what they're going through, all that stuff with uh, Jenny Carlson and more. We'll uh, continue this discussion with her on the other side. Jenny Carlson of the Oklahoman coming up next right here on the Doctor Report. At this time, ladies and gentlemen, we welcome into the program from the Oklahoma and sports columnist Jenny Carlson, who joins us right now. Jenny, welcome in. Thanks for joining us. Yo, Tyler, what's up? Hey, Jenny, uh, good to talk to you. Uh, Jenny and I, we, 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 have, uh, we come from familiar parts, uh, you know, of course, both going to uh, University of Kansas, and you know I, I'm from Oklahoma originally. She's working down there, uh, Jenny. Uh, I mean, it's uh, it's good to talk to you for the first time. Uh, we, we've known each other for a little bit now, and uh, good to good to have you with us. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, hard to believe it's already uh, December, and uh, I was in Lawrence, uh, I guess, what in October, and it uh, doesn't seem that long ago. But uh, gosh, it's uh, time has flown by. Football season is uh, the meat of it is over, and basketball is underway. So. Uh, I guess that's how it usually goes in the sports world. Just keep uh, clicking along. It, it's just so fast, so quick, and uh, here we are already in bowl season, uh, getting underway this Saturday. I can't believe it, Jenny. Uh, but before we dive into talk too much shop, uh, we want to get you to know you a bit and everything. Uh, tell us uh, what was your path to get to the Oklahoma? I know that, like we said, you went to KU and all. Uh, you've been at the Oklahoma for quite some time now. Tell us uh, how exactly you, you ended up there. Yeah, so I did go to Kansas uh, back in the day. Uh, it's been a, been a few minutes since I was there. Uh, grew up in the farming country in Kansas, out uh, in Clay Center is my hometown. Uh, went to went to KU, uh, got my undergrad there, and then uh, started working at the Kansas City Star. Um, I spent a couple years there doing a variety of things, mostly high school, but I uh, got to dabble in, uh, you know, some other uh, sports stuff along the way, and that allowed me a chance to, you know, interact and intersect with uh, people that were in town for events, whether it was Big 12 tournaments or uh, NCAA uh, events, uh, whatever, and uh, during the course of that, I got to uh, meet Barry Trammell, who is uh, still a co-worker of mine, one of the other sports columnists, actually the other sports columnist. I guess there's only two of us. Um, but at the time, he was uh, also uh, one of our uh, editors in the sports department. And uh, I don't know, I can't exactly remember when I met him. Probably uh, crossed paths with him a couple times. And, and then at some point, I uh, got a phone call from him saying that they were looking to make a hire. And was I interested? And, um, you know, at the time, I, I really liked Kansas City, but uh, a chance to be in a market that, you know, had at the at that point, it was a 99, 2000 time, 
um, you know, football, basketball, uh, college level in the state of Oklahoma looked to be on the uptick. Um, there was some pretty good basketball already going on, but uh, Bob Stoops had just been hired, and uh, uh, Bob Simmons was the football coach at Oklahoma State at the time, and things weren't great, but they weren't terrible. And so, you know, you sort of could see that there was some good stuff going on. It'd be interesting to cover the sports team in Oklahoma. So uh, I took a chance, uh, interviewed, and got the job, and have been here ever since. And I used to tell people that my uh, my stay at the Oklahoman was uh, lockstep the same amount of time as Bob Stoops, and I never imagined I would actually be on my job longer than him. I figured he would out, you know, out out uh, stay me by a long ways, but. Uh, he retired over the summer. Now I have to come up with a different way to remember how many years I've been in uh, Oklahoma. So, but it's been great, and it's been um, you know a lot of the things that drew me here. You know, a, a really robust college sports scene has only continued. Uh, we continue to have really good teams at the college level, but then we added the Thunder and uh, got to become a, a a major league city. Uh, and so I didn't have to move, and I got to change a. I got to cover a changing fourth landscape. So that was pretty cool. Uh, remains pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, it's hard to believe it's been as long as it has. But, uh, yeah, it's been a ton of fun. Yeah, yeah. I know Oklahoma City has changed so much since you've been there. You mentioned that with the Thunder, but just the city as a whole. The whole state really has uh, changed a lot in that uh, amount of time. Uh, just the, But the passion intensity is as big as it's ever been uh, on that front. Jenny, I mean, uh, I, I have to bring this up. But, you know, people – uh, if if they've never read your stuff before, they would know the uh, the Gundy rant and all that that, ins- that enthused of all that that went through. I know you've you've talked about it, you know, in classes and some different things and all this. Looking back now, I I still can't believe it's it's been ten years now since that happened. I mean, it's yeah. uh, it's 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 flown by. I mean, what's uh, what's your relationship like with Mike these days? I mean, you guys uh, are, are obviously you know you're both still here. I mean, how how are things between the two of you these days? Yeah, you know, it has been a minute, and uh, it, it also is That's one of those other things, you know, when you think about the fact that I'm still doing what I'm doing, and he's still doing what he's doing, which, you know, in the college football world, it's almost, I don't know which has least, uh, you know, staying power, journalists or football coaches, but we've both, we've both maintained uh, the same job uh, since then, and, um, you know, it, it's I, I tell people that, you know, there used to be a time when uh, when coaches, athletes, journalists all kind of um, not banded together, but definitely had a different level of a relationship than they do now. Um, I think because college football in particular, college basketball to some extent, but I think as the college sports have continued to grow and the, uh, the, you know, the, whether it's the platform or the money or the stakes or whatever you want to want to pin it on, I think you started to see that change where, you know, a lot of these coaches have much more of a bunker mentality. Um, you know, it's sort of their individual little kingdoms. And that's, I mean, those are multi-million dollar businesses that they're running. So I get it. Um, but it, it has created more of a barrier between media and, uh, and sources and, and those coaches. And so, you know, I, I think uh, I think I have a pretty decent relationship with uh, with Mike. You know, probably no better, or no worse than uh, a lot of other people. You know, I think that the days of having you know great relationships with uh, sources is probably uh, past us in the sports world. But uh, you know, there's a there there are a lot of uh, probably YouTube clips out there of uh, press conferences since the rant. Uh, you can probably go look and <laughs> maybe make a guess for yourself about what the kind of relationship we have, but. It's been uh, it's been good from my perspective. Um, you know, still uh, 
still cover uh, a mix of Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, so um, I'm around both programs a, a decent amount. And, um, you know, really uh, I, I can't say as though uh, there's any sort of residual at this, at this point from uh, from any of that. And, uh, you know, if there's any if there's any hard feelings, it's probably more recent about something I may have written <laughs> than, uh, than something that happened a decade ago. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And, and, and I would add to that that, too, is, you know, obviously you stand by your reporting, you know, of course, you know, and – but even more so with the fact that you, you would say that your relationship is still the same and it, nothing much has changed, that even uh, makes things even, even even though you've done your job right, that it's reassuring that, hey, you know, I'll, you've stuck to principle and, and made things even more worth it, that, uh, that this has all worked itself out. I, I bet that makes you even more so proud of looking back at it that, that you were doing the, that you felt you were doing the right thing. Yeah, you know, it was definitely a, a weird time, I think, in the media. Um, you know, we uh, often uh, talk about, uh, you know, that the media is not the story. The, the story is what we're covering. And so when you then become part of the story, it's it's an odd thing. And, and it remains, uh, you know, sort of one of the, the weirder sequences of time in my career just from that standpoint. But uh, I've said it uh, probably on a couple different occasions now, but I, it rings true nevertheless is that, you know, at that point and, uh, you know, at a lot of points uh, since I've been here, there's there's been a lot of things going on. And, and to focus on any one story, um, you know, there's, there's very few things that sort of rise to that level. I think one of the few actually was, uh, I was joking before about Bob Stoops retiring, but when Bob Stoops retired and Lincoln Riley was hired on the same day and, and we saw you know, Oklahoma football go through a coaching uh, shift from a legend to a new coach in, in, on the same day, you know, that took us a few days to unpack. We we, uh, we we wrote about that sort of like it had just happened for about a week or two weeks just because there was so much stuff within that story. But, you know, other than something that rises to that level, even something that became as sort of nationally uh, known as the rant, you know, it was still not one of those things that uh, sort of overtook our coverage, and we still had other things to write about, other teams to write about. You know, to not uh, do those things would have been a disservice to our readers who, you know, expect us to cover everything that's going on in right. the state of Oklahoma. So we really tried to get back to that, and I, I think, yeah, I think that probably did kind of, um, you know, uh, reestablish what we wanted to do and what I wanted to do and, uh, you know, just kind of kept us moving forward on all the storylines that were happening at that point in time. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, let's uh, let's hit transition now. I want to talk about OU in this uh, college football playoff. The Sooners come in playing really good football as of late. Baker Mayfield winning the Heisman Trophy, you know, four first-team All-Americans and all this. I mean, OU is just coming in. Uh, really, really hot right now. I mean, these these last couple of weeks, whether it was the Big 12 championship or award season and all this, getting the playoff berth, I mean, everything is going right for OU these uh, these last few weeks. They're coming into the playoff with a lot of momentum right now. Definitely so. You know, they obviously uh, played well in the, in the uh, non-conference schedule, had that big win at Ohio State, um, one of Ohio State's, you know, really bad losses that a lot of people were talking about uh, as their season continued. But then you saw, obviously, the, the trip up against uh, Iowa State, which Iowa State ended up being, I think, better than uh, people thought. And yet, you know, 24 hours before that game kicked off, they didn't know who their starting quarterback was going to be. Jacob Park had stayed home, stayed in Ames. Uh, so they were trying to figure out what they were going to do, a quarterback, uh, you know, trotted out a guy 
and Kyle Kemp, who had never really uh, played. I think he had two pass attempts before that day at OU. You know, that that remains a bad loss. I mean, even, even though Iowa State did finish better than I think a lot of people thought, you know, the, 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 the circumstance of that day, uh, and, and you look at the talent that Oklahoma had, it's still not a good loss on Oklahoma's resume. But you're right, Tyler. I mean, I think the way that they played after that, um, you know, it, it's been something that um, has been noticeable. Uh, I think you've seen them uh, even against, um, you know, teams that, you know, really challenged them, whether it was Oklahoma State or Kansas State. Um, you know, you, you saw them figure out ways to win. And, you know, they they aren't perfect. I don't think there is a perfect team in college football this year. Um, they've got a secondary that remains really suspect. But I think the the thing now is that, you know, there's no Oklahoma State on their schedule. There's no, uh, you know, Texas Tech on their schedule. There's no great air raid team that's left out there. Um, You know, I think had Auburn gotten to the playoff, that might have been a challenge for them, you know, with Jared Stidham and and, uh, Gus Malzahn, and they throw it around a little bit more. But, you know, that's not Georgia. Um, You know, Clemson, to a degree, will throw it around. Alabama, some. But... Nobody throws it around like some of these teams in the Big 12 do it in terms of just, you know, wheeling it downfield, you know, 10 or 12 times a game, throwing those 40 and 50 yard passes. Um, so I think that that uh, area of Oklahoma's uh, team, when you look at weakness, just don't think anybody's going to be able to exploit it with the regularity that you saw some of these Big 12 teams do. So, you know, as the defense has figured out a way to make up for its shortcomings, you continue to see the offense led by Baker Mayfield that you talked about. Um, Obviously, Rodney Anderson continues to emerge. Uh, He's got an off-field situation right now that continues to play out. Um, Some movement we think may be happening this week, but we don't know what's going to happen there. Oklahoma's obviously got some time here in between uh, what's happened with the, the charges or the, the situation with the police and Norman. And, you know, they don't really have to make a decision yet because they've got some time. So we're just kind of waiting to see what that's looking like. But it, all things uh, being equal, if, if that situation gets resolved, uh, you know, and he's there, or even if he's not, I still think they've got some, some decent options at running back. They've just found ways to win. And I think that that's a powerful, powerful thing. And they really have a, a belief right now that, uh, you know, they've got the players, they've got the talent, and uh, and they can go win a couple more ball games. which when they lost to Iowa State that day, I thought there was no way on earth they'd ever get to this position. But, you know, kudos to them for continuing to evolve, improve, and uh, they got themselves back into that conversation for sure. Yeah, yeah, they, they definitely did. They definitely did for, for sure. Uh, I mean, we, we talk all about, you know, what Bob Stoops did to build this program and the transition to, to Lincoln Riley has been so seamless that, yeah, I know he's got a great quarterback in Baker Mayfield and some talent there, but, I mean, I don't think Lincoln's getting enough credit for the job he's done here. I mean, this guy uh, in his first year is taking Oklahoma to the playoff here, which OU had only done one time previously in, in this playoff era. I don't think we're giving enough credit to Lincoln for the job he's done. I mean, he's, he's had an outstanding first season, done everything he, he, he's been asked to at, at this point, Jenny. Oh yeah, no. I think that's a, I think that's probably fair that he hasn't probably maybe uh, gotten the uh, 
the attention for what he has done. And, you know, uh, Bob Stoops' teams, the really good ones during his tenure, improved as they went along. And here this team is improving as it went along. And, you know, I don't think you can, uh, I don't think you can, you know, say, well, that's just coincidence. I think you have to, I think you have to link that to what Lincoln Riley has done, uh, you know. And, and I think that it's, it's been really interesting the way he's mixed, um, you know, maintaining things that worked. Um, you know, there were a lot of things in place that were working great, and I don't think he felt compelled like he had to come in and just change everything because it needed to be changed because suddenly he was the head coach and, and he needed to leave his mark. So sometimes that takes as much, uh, you know, uh, sort of self-esteem and belief in yourself to say, wait a second, you know, what this guy did, this worked, this was this was a good thing, why would I come in here and blow that up? And so I think, you know, Lincoln Riley has, has maintained the things that uh, worked well, and I think he's, then I think he's tweaked things that maybe he felt like could be a little different. You know, one of the things that uh, we haven't sort of seen uh, the fruits of it yet, but we're going to, I think, uh, next week with this early signing period kicking in. Uh, Oklahoma uh, took, uh, you know, tried to get a lot more uh, guys to commit earlier. Uh, Bob Stoops kind of had a track record of, of getting good classes, but lots of times it was a very late, um, a very late, uh, you know, surge, if you will, at the end that they got. Uh, the, their best guy is sort of right down towards signing day. Nothing wrong with that, but Lincoln Riley's taken a different approach. He's uh, made some earlier offers to some kids in younger classes, and so you're, you're seeing that change a little bit, and obviously time will tell if, if all of that pays off, but they've got some really good recruits that look to be signing, uh, you know, that look to be on the hook for them in future years. So I think he's, uh, I think he's, he's definitely figured out a way to do uh, to do the job, to do it effectively. He's doing it differently than Bob Stoops. He's still play calling on the offense. Uh, on game day is Lincoln Riley. He's not uh, in that coordinator spot during the week. He's, uh, you know, sort of given over some of those duties of game planning to other guys. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think to be able to manage all of the expectations, all the uh, things that come with being the head coach at the University of Oklahoma that really have nothing to do with coaching the football team. Uh, you know, it's everything from, you know, the university president needs you to meet with XYZ or the athletic director calls and says, uh, I've got a meeting with this donor. I need you to set aside an hour. You know, there's all these things that as that person on campus, as the head coach, he has duties that don't have anything to do with X's and O's in practice and calling recruits and all that. So to make uh, time and to be able to balance all of that and still, as a first-time head coach, have your team in the college football playoff, it's a lot. And I think you're exactly right. I think that that probably is a little bit glossed over because Baker Mayfield continues to be Baker Mayfield. And, you know, a lot of this looks very similar to how it went last year. Um, so people just may think, well, you know, it's, it's autopilot and, you know, anybody could have gone in there and done this. And uh, I don't necessarily know that that's true because, uh, you know, he, uh, Lincoln Riley has had to, uh, ha- has had to do quite a bit and has done it very well. And uh, clearly we're all seeing the, uh, the payoff for all that as uh, Oklahoma prepares for that Rose Bowl. Yeah, certainly, certainly the fruits of their labor certainly paid off to this point. Uh, you brought up a good point earlier about 
these matchups that OU loves these matchups they get. Don't have to play these high-powered offenses. You know, this Georgia team reminds me of, of of TCU, kind of a better version of TCU in that sense of the way they love to play. I think OU's the favorite heading these playoffs, Jenny, and these matchups here uh, play to their favor here. I mean, yes, the they are big names, no doubt. You know, when you would go up against the Clemsons and the Bamas and such in the SEC, but. When you look at just the, the essence of this, this OU team uh, has, uh, it's it's very likely they could win this playoff. I mean, everything to their favor looks good uh, with, with these three teams that they match up with. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, it, it's sort of like uh, the NCAA basketball tournament. You know, every year March Madness rolls around and, you know, even really good teams uh, are looking for those matchups. You know, how do they match up with any team that might be, in their path to the final four to the national championship. And some years, you know, even really good teams get matchups that just become nightmares. And, uh, you know, we see how that plays out that, uh, even good teams can fall victim to, to a bad matchup. And so I, I think that the, it's the very same, uh, with the college football playoff. And, you know, sometimes we don't talk about that as much because it's only four teams instead of, uh, 64, 68 whatever it is now for the basketball tournament. I lose track anymore. But, uh, you know, I think these matchups are pretty important. You know, every, uh, you know, everywhere is is different when it comes to what they bring to the table. As I was mentioning before, obviously the Big 12, uh, when you look at the way the Big 12 passes, it's not necessarily the volume. Obviously some teams, there is a higher volume. But when you look at the overall picture, the Big 12 doesn't throw it a ton more than other conferences. If you look at the amount of passes that uh, you know these top these top teams are facing, their defenses are facing, it's all within sort of the same ballpark of, of amount of passes per game that opponents are throwing on them. It's just the way that the passes are thrown. The Big 12, it's a much more vertical passing game. Um, you know, they're going to throw it downfield, throw it, throw it. You know, in the air, 30, 40, 50 yards. Um, SEC, it's much more, you know, short and intermediate passing game. ACC, it's the same way. You see some longer stuff, but it's just not the norm in those leagues like it is in the Big 12. So, you know, I think anybody that's not going to vertically stretch Oklahoma like some of these Big 12 teams do, I think that automatically becomes a better matchup. Then you look at Georgia, clearly a, a run-heavy team. They've got a true freshman quarterback um, who's done done really well as a true freshman. I don't think you can undersell the fact that you've got a playoff game with a true freshman and quarterback. Unbelievable job uh, there. But they are very run-heavy, and uh, they've got uh, a couple guys that they'll, they'll lean on heavily. You know, I don't know uh, that Oklahoma will stop them. I don't think that that's possible. I think they're way too good at what they do to be stopped completely. And yet Oklahoma, their defense, even the years that they've struggled defensively, when teams are one-dimensional and when that dimension it, it trends more towards running, especially, uh, they are pretty decent at holding their own. Uh, so, you know, when you look at, uh, you know, some of the, the points that Georgia gave up, uh, they played Auburn twice. They definitely uh, held Auburn in check the second time, but the first time, uh, Auburn really screwed around on them uh, a bunch, actually. Um, and as good as Jared Stidham is, the, uh, the Auburn quarterback who used to be at Baylor, 
he's no Baker Mayfield. I mean, Baker Mayfield right. is, uh, you know, unbelievably accurate and unbelievably talented and uh, just has all those intangibles uh, that I don't think Georgia has seen, even with, uh, you know, some really good quarterbacks on, on their schedule. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if that equates to Oklahoma winning uh, the Rose Bowl and going to the national championship game, but you at least have to look at this as a – great opportunity for Oklahoma to uh, get to that, that national championship game, to be the first Big 12 team to do that since the playoff was instituted. Um, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of positives uh, for the Big 12 as a whole if Oklahoma could do that and get to that championship game. Again, who knows what happens if they, if they get there. Uh, but I, I do think that you're seeing strength on strength in this Rose Bowl matchup against Georgia. And then it's probably going to be up to, uh, you know, how how do they handle the running game? Uh, how much can Baker Mayfield do against the Georgia defense? Uh, you know, does that swing the game? We'll have to see, obviously. We will. We will. Looking forward to it. See how it all plays out on New Year's Day, Oklahoma and Georgia from the Rose Bowl. Let's uh, transition talk uh, Oklahoma City Thunder now, Jenny. Uh, this team, they're struggling right now. They have not figured things out yet. Uh, but there have been a few good moments. The win against the Warriors, the win against the Spurs. I, I, I don't know, Jenny. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not selling this team yet. I mean, they give this. I think the guys still need more time here. This, I'm not, I'm not selling this team yet. Are you selling this team already, or are you, uh, are you wanting to give this team more time to see how this all unfolds? Yeah, you know, the thing that is probably most of what you said is probably the most confounding thing is just the lack of consistency. Um, you know, there, there are nights that, uh, you know, their offense goes stale and with, you know, three really talented offensive players on that roster, you know, all world offensive players to see, you know, them get to the end of the third quarter with 50 something points, 60 something points. I mean, it's just, you know, you just, don't know how to sort of wrap your head around that. But then there are nights when it's the defense. I mean, the other night we saw Charlotte come into Oklahoma City, and it was the defense. The Thunder gave up 40-something points in the third quarter alone. And Charlotte's not – they've won two games on the road at that point. So, you know, they really struggled with that consistency. They locked in and focused and, and really minimized mistakes against the Warriors. We saw what they were capable of. But then again, there's that inconsistency and losing focus and not playing, uh, you know, with that kind of uh, intensity against lesser teams. It's just been really, uh, you know, you don't want to say that, you know, there's one problem that you can focus on. I think if it was more centralized or you could say, oh, it was that again, you know, then you could maybe start to say, well, that's what you got to fix. But right now, it seems like that it, 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 it changes almost with each loss that you're saying, well, now that was a problem. What about that? And, and you know, so it's been a real head scratcher. You know, I think that's probably been as troubling to fans and honestly, maybe even to coaches and players within that organization, that there's not been that consistency that anybody can just put their finger on it and say, that isn't what it needs to be. Uh, I think there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of talk about, well, what about a coaching change? Let's talk about, well, maybe there needs to be a trade. I'm guessing there will be a trade. I don't know who. I'm not saying it's going to be one of the three big guys or anything like that. But, I, you know, maybe some, some different, you know, sort of infusions in different spots. Maybe that could help. I don't think we're going to see a midseason coaching change. Those rarely work. 
Um, you know, it would be somebody already in the organization likely to take over. And, you know, does that really accomplish anything? You know, and you add in the fact that Billy Donovan has proven himself to be an excellent NBA coach. I mean, he uh, had this team to the playoffs last year with a roster decimated after Kevin Durant left. I know Russell Westbrook was on it, but, you know, that's not a collection of talent that a lot of coaches could get to the playoffs. He did the year before. He outcoaches Greg Popovich. They beat the Spurs in the Western Conference semifinals. He outcoaches Steve Kerr and had his stars actually played well in the last few minutes of game six of the Western Conference finals. They beat the Spurs. They're going to the NBA finals. Who knows what's happened uh, to the franchise since then. So I think there's such a good track record for Billy Donovan that people know what he can do. People within the organization know what he can do. Uh, the players said yesterday they there's no uh, you know there's no uh, running against Billy Donovan in that locker room. They're not saying that they're uh, going against him. They 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 acknowledge that they need to do some things differently. Uh, so this is this is going to be a really interesting time. Uh, the rest of this month, the Thunder has several home games. They played well at home. Uh, they need to start to really uh, collect some wins. I mean, at this point in the Western Conference. If you get much past the first of the year and are under 500, you're in a big hole to make the playoffs. But they're going to have to get going on notching wins, and uh, there's lots of tough games left. Rockets are left. They've only played the Warriors once. Uh, they've only played the Clippers once. Uh, they, they, they barely beat a Spurs JV team. So they're going to have to really get after it because they've got some tough games left. Um, gosh, the talent is so good. You've got to think the answer is there somewhere for, for this team to really get it going. Well, and to add to that, to add to that point, Jenny, is that one positive note, though, is the morale of this team seems all right. And it's not like, you know, in the in the early days, you know, Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant could be winning and they'd be fighting with each other and you know, having some issues and you, you could see it on the court. These guys, yeah, they're struggling, but it seems to be that their chemistry is still developing, that they know that this is a process and all this. If there's a positive sign, uh, it appears those guys have not given up on each other, that they know that uh, th- this thing takes time, and, they're, and they, they still seem to, to want to work together to work this out. Yeah, no, I haven't really sensed. I mean, there, there's frustration. I don't think there's any doubt that there's frustration. I mean, we've seen it. Um, Russell Westbrook doesn't exactly, you know, mask his emotions very well. Um, and that can be for good or for bad. And, you know, we've seen the frustration uh, with him. Uh, you know, we've seen it with the, with some of these other guys, too. And, and so I don't think that they're not okay with losing. They're not okay right. with the results that they're getting. It's not, yeah, I, I, so I think that that's, um, I think that's evident by watching and talking and observing but yeah, I think you're right. I don't think that there's, I don't think this is a case of, um, you know, Westbrook's people or, uh, you know, they're sniping at, at Paul George's people or Carmelo's people are sniping at, at both of them or, you know, they're all angry at Billy Donovan. Or I don't get the sense like there's any sort of drama like that going on. Um, I think these guys realize the potential. I mean, I think they've seen the potential for crying out loud. I mean, that game against the Warriors, they really overpowered the Warriors. Now, the Warriors missed some shots. The Warriors, uh, you know, they had some issues of their own that they might say, well, that wasn't the best game we played. But, you know, the Thunder wasn't perfect either. And so for them to have that kind of result, 
Uh, I think it showed all these guys, you know, what could be. And so, to yeah, to say, well, you know, this is just broken. It's irreparable. There's no way this is going to happen. Yeah, I don't think anybody is thinking that yet. Uh, they just got to figure out how to um, maintain that focus. And I keep thinking that there's going to be a point where something happens. A lead is blown, a loss, you know, a game that's won is lost. And these guys sort of have that moment of, you know, we're not going to do this anymore. You know, the, 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 the gauntlet's dropped and they just decide that's it. We're not done. We're not, you know, we're not playing like that anymore. We're done with it. This is where it all changes. And it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> and so these guys are professionals. They've been down the road. They know that the clock is ticking. And maybe the first month or month and a half of the year, you know, you don't get overly concerned about some of that stuff. But now we're nearly to, you know, the first of the year. And I think that that internal clock that they have, you know, as NBA players, as long-term, uh, you know, pros in this league, I think that's going to start to, uh, to, to, you know, tick louder and louder in their heads. And uh, I got to think if we're, if we're going to see them turn a corner, it's going to happen here pretty soon because I think they recognize it has to. The number of games they have continues to drop and drop and drop. they got to start getting some wins uh, under their belt here or, or it could really start getting serious uh, in terms of playoffs and positioning and all that sort of stuff. Jenny, we're out of time, and we didn't even get to everything I wanted to cover still. So we'll have to have you back on down the road again and uh, have you back and uh, discuss more things. Appreciate your time. Appreciate you joining us. Before we let you run here, tell us where we can uh, where we can find you on social media, connect with you, you know, read your stuff in the Oklahoman and all that. Where, uh, where can people uh, connect with you, Jenny? You bet. Uh, newsok.com, N-E-W-S-O-K.com is the website for the Oklahoman. You can find all uh, blogs stories, columns, videos, all that sort of fun stuff. We've got some great collections of podcasts. If you're interested in any of the teams we cover, uh, we've got podcasts on all those folks. And then I'm on Twitter, Jenny Carlson underscore OK. That's a two N's and an I, Carlson underscore OK. So come find me there. I'd love to connect with people. Always fun to uh, to have lots of, uh, lots of folks uh, in and around the Big 12 area. Always love to uh, to have those connections with folks. Jenny, appreciate your time. Always great to chat with a fellow Okie and Jayhawk, and uh, we'll uh, catch up down the road. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Tyler. Talk to you later. Big thanks to Jenny Carlson for joining us on uh, today's show. Uh, make sure to follow her all over social media. Check her out in the Oklahoma. She uh, does great work, and uh, we appreciate her time uh, for joining us. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges, back here with you now. And uh, we haven't really gotten a chance to talk about them much just because we've been so football-centric and football-busy, and rightfully so the last couple of months. But the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder are uh, well into their season now. A month or so has passed by, and I, uh, I'm, I'm so confused on this Thunder team, to say the least. I want this to work. I really, really do this combination of Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and Carmelo Anthony. But I hate to say it, but right now, this is just not working. And I'm not saying that it's that it's always going to be this way. I think this can be solved and can be figured out, but I just don't know if it will in time for when it matters, when it's important. Now, I'm not in panic mode quite yet. You know, the Thunder... 
are still just a couple of games out of fourth place. It's not the end of the world. It's not over yet. You know, they can get hot anytime and be right back up there in contention. But reality is this team is in 10th place, a losing record, and nobody appears to be on the same page. Now, I have I believe I have the solution for this. I think I do. And I I think that it's not complicated. It just needs to be put in to action per se. One of the things you're seeing with this Thunder team is that everybody's still trying to do their own thing, whether it's Russell Westbrook, whether it's Paul George, whether it's Carmelo Anthony. These three guys on the teams that they were at the last couple of years were without question the best player on their own teams, and the ball went through them, essentially. There's no doubt Russell Westbrook is the best player on this team. It's his team. In order for this to work, if the Thunder are going to be successful this season, the offense needs to run through Russell Westbrook. Do what you did last year with Russell Westbrook and just use those better pieces. Remember, who did Russell Westbrook have last year? Victor Oladipo is looking pretty good now, so that's not a very good example. And Enos Kanter is uh, playing decent in New York. It's not a great example either. But, I mean, when the offensive focus was, yeah, you need Roberson to score, you need Adams to score, you need uh, Grant and uh, Taj Gibson and these others, those weren't good signs. You have two all-stars in Paul George and Carmelo Anthony. Run the offense through Russ and then let those guys just adapt and get involved. Russell Westbrook averages a triple-double, folks. This guy can get assists. Those guys will get their share if they let Russ do his thing first and adapt and get involved. Tom, that's how I see this working in Oklahoma City, and that's not what they're doing right now. And Billy Donovan needs to get his ass together and put this team in the right direction. Yeah, he definitely does, and it, it comes down. And, and Jones, so I've said this again and again after, you know, when we talk about the NBA. Maybe we're not NBA insiders. Maybe we don't know how it works. But the way it looks from the outsider looking in is that it's such a simple solution. Now, Paul George hasn't been playing Paul George-esque as far as when he was with the Pacers. He wasn't, you know, he was the number one option there. He's not obviously the number one option here. Carmelo is, in my opinion, uh, a bit beyond his prime. He's not a superstar, in my opinion, but he's still a second-tier guy that, at any given night, can go off for however many points. A really good number three option. Yeah, maybe the best number three in the league on a given night. But... It does come down to Billy Donovan. I've said it again and again. Uh, it comes down to him. Like You have these players. I mean, look at, look at the reason Scott Brooks was fired. Yeah, it was you know, maybe due to a couple of injuries and not producing. But you have a James Harden. You had a Kevin Durant. You had a Russell Westbrook. You had a Serge Ibaka. Yeah, they all went their separate ways. But at the same time, you also couldn't make possibly the best, you know, two and three guys in the NBA work together, and now you have a Paul George, a Russell Westbrook, and a Carmelo Anthony, and you're still not making them work. I get it. I get it. The chemistry, we didn't think the chemistry was going to be there. I didn't think that so. 
You look at what happened to the Heat team, the Heat dynasty. When it first got together, it didn't work at first. The next couple of years, it worked. They finally figured it out, and they worked. Does Billy Donovan have enough time to do that? Does he get the level? You know, does he get that leeway? Does he? I don't think he does. I think it comes down. I mean, it's getting close for him. I think uh, it's getting down to the point where he might get canned. Do you can him for uh, who's the next up? Maybe Monty Williams. Is that who's up next? It would be Mo Cheeks because Monty Williams is actually with the Spurs uh, front yeah, office. Yeah, that's now. right. He's with the Spurs. He used to and be with the Thunder. I'll tell you what. I tell you what. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm not high on Billy right now. I don't think Billy's doing a good job. But I can tell you this right I'm now, for damn sure. Mo Cheeks is not the answer in Oklahoma City. He failed as a head coach three times. That's not the answer. Now, wait, it's not Mo Tyler Cheeks. Jones, wait a second. Let's just let's just kind of take take it back real quick. Let's look back here. And in, in hindsight, is twenty twenty. But would you right now, Tyler Jones, as a Thunder fan? I know you're a Thunder fan. I'm a Spurs fan, obviously. So I have a little bit, maybe less bias here. But and I and I know who I would take. Would you, right now, at this very moment, tonight, uh, coming off Oklahoma City, coming off that loss to Charlotte, uh, the, you know, I think the night before they, they came through and won in Memphis, uh, would you right now, Tyler Jones, take Scott Brooks back over Billy Donovan right now, right now today, at 11, you know, at 11.34 or whatever time, maybe p.m., take Scott Brooks back right now, switch the switch the narrative here. Take Scott Brooks back for the Thunder, send Billy D to Washington. I think would I, you right now take it? I think I would. Um, but I'll say this on that flip side, hasn't Washington kinda underachieved under Scott Brooks? Wasn't he supposed to they take will. them to the next level? Wasn't weren't they supposed to be the undisputed number two team in the in the East? When he took that job? I mean they haven't really done so. I mean they're this still year, this year they've underperformed. Last year, but I mean, who is a better? Who would you take on a one-on-one matchup? Let's put the coaches aside. Thunder right now, talent-wise, over Washington. Not don't get me wrong. Washington does have a talented roster. They have Bradley Bill, John Wall, and then and Gortat is is not disappointed. Uh, and Otto Porter has not played bad. Would you take? I mean, it's talent-wise. It's obvious that Oklahoma City is more you know talent-heavy in my opinion, then Washington right now, yes. Now, if Oklahoma City played in the East, would we be talking a little bit different? I think so. They do play in a heavy West. It is hard. It is tough. And, and I understand that, you know, from where Billy Donovan's coming from. Like, it's hard to win. But, oh, my God, Sam Presti's brought in all these guys. What do you do? The fans want to win now, and that sucks. That sucks for him. It does. But it's a reality. I'll take I'll tell you this though. I would love to have David Fisdale right now with this Oklahoma City team. I think he could change things up, do what he needed to do. I I would take David David Fisdale right now. Take that for data, Tom. You have to, and you have to. Just look at where he's been. You know, I we all love on Scott or not Scott Brooks. We all love to shit on on Billy Donovan now. Uh, just because what he has and what he hasn't done with what he has. But David Fisdell, you're 100% right. I think he was treated unfairly 
in Memphis. I think what he had going was good. Yes, he lost Zach Randolph. Uh, yes, the Vince Carter was gone. But you also have uh, a Mike Conley, who is also injured, and a Marcus Gasol, who, from the reports and the rumors that I've heard, kind of was assisting in that David Fisdale fire. But put him in Oklahoma City. He's already dealt with the Eagles, Tyler Jones. He's already dealt with this situation before. He was an assistant coach for the Miami Heat during the Heat dynasty. He was already there for LeBron James. He was already there for Dwayne Wade. He was already there for Chris Bosh. He was, he, he was already there for an entitled-ass Ray Allen. He was already there for that. And the players loved it. He already knows exactly, and they already know how he worked, and that's why he got the job in Memphis after Dave Yeager got canned and, and went to Sacramento. He already knew what it was about. Yeah. He would do perfect with there. Billy Donovan, yes, he's had NBA coaching experience before. It didn't work out for the Magic. Goes back to Florida, wherever the hell he goes. Comes back to Oklahoma City Thunder. Has all this talent to work with, and it's not working. I don't want to be the first person to say, you know, can his ass do away with him uh, because it does take time. We already saw what the Heat already mentioned that earlier. But if you have the better option, and, and you know, you don't always choose where the grass is greener, but at this point in time, what Billy Donovan's done, I got to go with, you know, David Fisdale, is that is that higher there? You don't necessarily fire a, a Billy Donovan for a Mo Cheeks, definitely not, but if Fisdale's there sitting on the sidelines saying, hey, I already know how to deal with this ego situation, and maybe the ego's not even the problem. I still put him in place. I still put him in place. He, he already knows what to do with it. He's already had a Margasol, uh, a Conley, a Tony Allen. Um, he had the grind city. Uh, you know, yeah. that's, I, don't, I wouldn't call it the baddest to the bad boy Pistons that we've seen. But that was a team that grinded out, that, that had that attitude. Uh, and I think he would work perfect in Oklahoma City as much as I don't want Oklahoma City to compete with my Spurs. I, I, I think so. I think it'd be great. I think Fisdale would be a natural fit. I'm usually one not to want coaches that have been fired. But in this case, this is a guy that was wrongfully fired. I think that's different. I would take Fisdale right now. All right. He's, he was already a small, small market guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Time for our uh, NFL whip around. Let's go ahead and go around the uh, National Football League. And uh, I, I got to say, off the top in our NFL uh, whip around this week, Tom, um, you know, last week, of course, I was at the, uh, the Chiefs game. The uh, Chiefs got the win. Uh, over Oakland, and it was good to see that. Good to see them play well and get back on track. And a friend of the show, Diana Rossini, I uh, ran into in uh, in KC. She was covering the game. Diana, uh, you know, of course, was awesome coming on this show just a couple weeks ago. And uh, I mean, she she's great. She's hilarious. I can update that I did get Diana's charger back to her. That she has it. She was very happy, very thrilled. And uh, so we have done good work uh, now. Diana has her charger back. So that's good news to report. And, uh, Tom, I- I'm just looking forward to when we can have Diana back. She was great. She was a great interview. Uh, glad, glad that we, uh, we got uh, Diana involved now, that she's, uh, she's part of this, uh, this circus we have around here. Yeah, I think so. She's always a, you know, it's always a great addition uh, to get anybody, you know, big name, prime time. I think she's earned that spot. 
Uh, so it's always great to bring her along and, and have her on the show, and, and she seems like a class act. Oh, yeah, she's fantastic. Let's uh, go ahead and uh, get to the whip around now. Here we go. Uh, Thursday night football, the uh, Denver Broncos taking on the uh, Indianapolis Colts. Uh, we'll run through these real quick, Tom. At the beginning of the year, this probably looked like a decent matchup for Thursday night football, and uh, neither one of these teams are even a shell of uh, their former selves right now, Tom. Oh, definitely not, and, and we talked about this earlier. Uh, it, it's not the matchup it could have been, but it's what we're stuck with. Uh, Saturday, Saturday doubleheader. Uh, the NFL determines what day of the week it is, folks. Thursday night football on Saturday. As in the first game, the uh, Bears take on the Lions, Tom. Uh, the, the Bears, uh, Mitch Trubisky, his rookie season hasn't been great. This should be an easy win for uh, Detroit. You would think so. We'll see. But I like the Lions as well. Uh, Chargers taking on the Chiefs. Uh, essentially, this is the battle for the AFC West. The Chiefs won it the first time. The Chargers are coming in red hot, one of the hottest teams in the National Football League right now. Phillip Rivers is uh, on the roll. The Chiefs, of course, lost four straight. They bounced back last week against uh, with a win against the Raiders here. Tom, playoff implications online in this game here. This game means so much. We're going to be at this game. Uh, I mean, there's a this is a huge, huge game for both these teams. Yeah, and you and you've got to think the winner of this game would literally have to poop the bed to not win the division. That's how much it means. It's literally a divisional championship for the AFC West here. For the uh, Chiefs, Tom, it's uh, I think this game comes down to one player, Kareem Hunt. If they get Kareem Hunt the football, they're going to be fine. They, they they run the ball, you know, and, and get some touchdowns, they'll be in good shape. If Kareem Hunt, if they don't hand him the football and open up holes, I think they're going to struggle. Uh, yeah, and I think that's the, the truth, the absolute truth. Now, Tyler, I haven't seen anything right yet. Now, I heard Tyreek Hill was possibly injured last week. Is he going to be back this week? Have we heard anything on that? We're uh, still waiting on that. Uh, that will be, uh, I'm sure, will come out towards uh, the end of the week. All right. Uh, Sunday games, uh, the Dolphins uh, take on the Bills. Uh, Bills 7-6, and six, Dolphins 6-7. Six and seven. Uh, Cutler, he, uh, he had maybe the best game of his career last Monday night, Tom. Yeah, isn't that surprising? We write Jay Cutler off. and then Against New England, season, nonetheless. Like, oh. Yeah, exactly. And then he's like, nah, y'all, I'm not done yet. I'm, I'm still here. I'm, I'm still, you know, it, it's amazing. Uh, to leave it to Jay Cutler to be the one to do that. Ravens uh, take on the uh, Browns. The uh, Browns almost beat Green Bay last week. Instead, they're 0-13. Three losses away from the uh, 0-16 victory parade. Bengals take on the Vikings. Vikings with Case Keenum and company. Uh, They're riding the Keenum train, and they're uh, 10-3, fighting for the uh, number one record in the NFC against that Bengals team. Uh, You you can make a case, Tom, when you add in the factor of Case Keenum, that the Vikings are the most surprising team in the league. They have to be, and they might end up getting the number one spot now that Carson Wentz has a torn ACL. So that's definitely a game to watch. And they also, not only did they lose uh, you know, Sam Bradford and uh, also Teddy Bridgewater, Dalvin Cook went down. They're, they're down they got Latavius Murphy at running back, and uh, he's had you know, 500 I yards. Like yeah, yeah, and, and 
And Adam Thielen, what a story. I mean, this whole team is just a bunch of unlikely heroes uh, coming together. The Jets take on the uh, Saints. Saints should have no problems there. Breeze and company is playing really good. They're 9-4. The Eagles taking on the Giants. You mentioned it. Uh, no Carson Wentz. Nick Foles gets the start here. Tom, I'm higher on Nick Foles than I think most people are. Nick Foles, I think, could still win some games for the Eagles. Don't count this team out yet. He's a serviceable, back, a serviceable backup, and, and he has Alshon Jeffrey to throw to. Uh, he's been there before. He knows the system. Uh, I, I'm not counting Nick Foles out either. I think that's the best backup quarterback situation they could literally have. Cardinals uh, take on the R-Words. Uh, both those teams appear to be out of contention. The Packers take on the Panthers here. Maybe we see Aaron Rodgers back. Panthers 9-4. and four. They're at home. They've been playing good football as of late. Tom, uh, even if Rodgers doesn't play, this is set to be a really, really good football game. I think so. And, and Packers aren't out of it yet, and neither are the Panthers. They're both fighting for playoff contention here. Uh, I think it's going to be a high-intensity game, and, and definitely if Aaron Rodgers plays, it's going to be a, uh, you know, Definitely one for the Bucks. This is it. Might be the best, uh, maybe the most underrated matchup we'll see on Sunday. Texans take on the uh, Jaguars. The Texans a uh, very sad deal how their season's gone. Uh, well, the Jaguars have been awesome this year, and uh, Blake Bortles may have uh, earned his job back next year. Tom, uh, the way he's played the last couple weeks, uh, he's uh, you know he was the weakness on this team, and he's taking it up a notch. Oh, definitely, definitely so. They, they beat the Seahawks last week, uh, which is the Rams fan. That's great for me, but uh, su- a surprise, surprise. Uh, that's all I have to say about the Jaguars. Do, do we think this is going to be the case at the beginning of the season? I did not think so. Uh, Rams take on the uh, Seahawks at uh, 3.05. The Rams at 9-4 and four, coming off that loss to the Eagles last week. The Seahawks at uh, 8-5. and five. In this one huge game in the NFC West. Yeah, this is about as big uh, for playoff contention or or as uh, maybe a divisional matchup as far as the winning the division as the Chiefs and Chargers are. Uh, it's the same same technically the same game uh, in my mind. Um, the uh, Titans take on the uh, 49ers. Should be no problems for uh, the Titans there. But Jimmy Garoppolo uh, looked uh, pretty good last week. The uh, Game of the week in the league. The uh, Steelers taking on the Patriots at home. The Steelers' offense has been uh, through the roof. Ben Roethlisberger with 500 yards last week against Baltimore. The Patriots coming off that loss to Miami where Tom Brady threw two picks. And I've already seen these awful takes about, is Tom Brady done? Have we seen the end of Tom Brady and all this? I'm like, you know, shut the hell up. You know what I mean? Like, come on. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. Give the man some respect. I'm saying that as a Steeler fan, too. I love Tom Brady. Um, I think that this game, there's going to be a lot of points. Neither one of these teams are great defensively, Tom. And uh, that, that Steelers team, I think that this is, I mean, yes, it's the Patriots, but... They're actually not a bad matchup for Pittsburgh, considering the way that Steelers uh, play and, as of late, love to just put up points and try to outscore people. Yeah, I love it, and it's a game of the week for the reason uh, we're looking at a, a possible, you know, playoff rematch up here. 
Uh, so it's it's going to be the game to watch. I mean, it is getting the game of the week for a reason. But uh, you always got to love when Ben Roethlisberger faces off Tom Brady. I mean, it's the one of the, in my opinion, one of the greatest you know matchups of uh, I guess the modern day here. Uh, Cowboys uh, take on the uh, Raiders. The Raiders are uh, pretty much done. The uh, Cowboys sitting at seven and six on the outside looking in. That's on Sunday Night Football. And then the uh, Falcons take on the Buccaneers as a Jameis Winston company will try to eat a W against that uh, Falcons team. So that's your NFL whip around for this week. We'll uh, see what happens there. Looking forward to uh, that uh, the Chargers-Chiefs game, which will be at. And then, uh, of course, that Steelers-Patriots game is going to be good as well. All right, Tom, before we get out of here today, time for our Tom Fullery story of the week this week. What's, uh, what do we got in store this week, Tom? So the article goes here. The, the headline is, and it's, it's a great headline. Whoever wrote it, it's, it just works out perfectly. Headline is, hey, dummy, mannequin doesn't fool deputies patrolling HOV lane. So here we go here. The hot blonde in the passenger seat of a vehicle on the HOV lane, in which uh, for those of you who aren't aware, that is like the carpooling lane. Um this was, I guess it was December 1st, so we're going back in a little bit in time here. The hot blonde in the passenger seat of, uh, of a vehicle on the HOV lane or the carpooling lane on Thursday turned out to be a real dummy. And no, this isn't a dumb blonde joke. Tyler Jones, she was a real dummy. Okay? The hot blonde, in the, uh, I guess they repeated here. Precinct 5 toll road deputies ticketed the driver who tried to pass the mannequin off as a passenger so they could fly through the carpool lane. Uh, this mannequin may have saved the driver on time a $3.20 toll fee, but it will cost her a day of work for court and up to $150 in legal fees. Precinct 5 posted on her Facebook page. Ouch. Jones, that's the article there. I mean... Is it is, is it a smart idea? I'm sure, I mean, from the picture that looks like it, I thought that it was pretty passable. If you're not looking pretty hard and you're just kind of rolling through, definitely one of the most genuine things that I've seen. Is, or maybe not genuine, more maybe the, the word I'm looking for is an original. I've never seen a story like this, Jones, and that's why it is Tom Fuller of the Week. Would you try to pass Tyler Jones a mannequin with sunglasses, a wig, full get-up on. Would you try to pass that just to roll through the carpool lane? Would you do it? You know, it's. I'll, I'll say this. It's very, very creative. Uh, I, I'll say this. A for effort. To go to the extremes, you want in the carpool lane so bad that you're willing to put a mannequin in the car to me is uh, is hysterical you know a for effort uh, on that front to say the least here but I I, uh, I had never like really seen HOV lanes in action much till I was in LA back in September and I'd ask people about it I'm like well how do they you know police that do they actually pull people over if they don't have somebody in the carpool lane and they said yes and it's about a $450 ticket in the state of California if you're driving around uh, without somebody in the HOV lane. I believe with it, without somebody, you know, a passenger. I believe this this story was in Texas, correct? In Houston? Maybe it was in Houston. I'm trying to look. It said just as Precinct Five, but 
I'm not actually seeing where it says the actual state, but I believe it if was it's in Texas. I, I I believe it was in the Houston area. I, um, I wouldn't be surprised. Wherever the hell Harris County is, I mean Texas does everything big. But yes. First, wait, my first question is, where did you get the mannequin? Do you have like a girlfriend that works at American Eagle? Or what do you... J.C. Penny something? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. To go to that extremes. I mean, ma- mannequins aren't easy to come by. You know what I mean? Like... I mean, nobody just has one. Nobody, nobody has a mannequin. And if you just own a mannequin, you are like on a whole nother level of creepy. Yeah, that might as well be just like one of those real sex dolls or whatever. <laughs> I mean, not to mention, like, it's a, it's a blonde mannequin. Like, okay, like, uh, wait, wait a second. Like, where do you just have this? Like, I mean, I get if you're a hairdresser, they have like just the heads with the hair on them so they can like style the hair. My, my aunt's a hairdresser and she has had a couple of those. Do they look real? Yeah, they do, but it's just the head. They didn't mention anything if it was just like on the body, but from the picture, it looks like it's a whole body mannequin, you know, with a red sweater on, uh, some big sunglasses, uh, even lipstick. I mean, I'm sure that probably came on the mannequin, but and, and some blonde hair, you know, some not bad looking blonde hair. And if you're passing by, I, I'm not necessarily saying, oh, that's a mannequin, you know. So maybe they caught it with the, maybe one of the HOV cameras, like, I don't know, you know, snapping the photo. I'm not sure. That, it's, like you said, it's creative. I like it. A, um, a forever. I, I wonder, yeah, I mean. I wonder how many times they got away with it. That's you just a, don't do this once. Right, right, right. And I, it's, it's like they say that people that get a DUI, they usually don't get caught till like the 100th time. They've been driving under the influence. I mean, they they've done this for a while, I bet. And to do the extremes they've gone through, and to finally get pulled over for this and all that, you know, what I mean, uh, I mean, they must have really hated dealing with traffic. And I can't blame them because traffic in those cities is it's just awful. Uh, you know, like when I was in L.A., like I knew people that you know carpooled to work and would make like four stops on the way picking up people, but it was so much worth it to use the HOV lane. So it's a big deal. I would love to see KC get like an HOV lane and make things quicker, you know, and I mean, cause KC, KC traffic is, isn't that bad uh, compared to other cities, but HOV lane would be such a relief, you know, add to those highways, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I applaud the effort. Good on them. Uh, but that ticket is going to cost them just a little bit. And, uh, they're going to regret, uh, not having a real person in the car with them next time. Good stuff, Tom, uh, with Tom Fullery this week. And that will do it for today's show. Big thanks to Jenny Carlson for joining us. And, uh, make sure to check out her work in the Oklahoman. And uh, this is our last week uh, back in Lawrence uh, for the month, back to Tulsa for the uh, next uh, few weeks. And uh, we might do some stuff out there with you folks, so uh, just keep your ears tuned in uh, to see what we have in store uh, the next couple weeks. And uh, looking forward to it. We will uh, see you on the other side. Make sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play. Leave us a five-star review or just don't leave us one at all. Uh, Make sure to uh, follow us on social media. Facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, Tyler Jones Media Group, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, at Thomas underscore Bridges, and uh, at TJ Media Group. You can find us there on our social media platforms. All that good stuff, and make sure to connect with us. Love to talk with you. 
And uh, looking forward to this weekend, being in KC for the uh, Chiefs-Chargers game. Going to be fun uh, out there as well. And uh, our buddy Tom Martin was, uh, was with us last week. Uh, he was a great interview, and he's been at these last couple of Chiefs games doing a great job. He's a great follow as well for all your Chiefs coverage, uh, so check him out as well. And that will do it. We'll see you guys next week. For Thomas Bridges and our entire crew, I'm Tyler Jones saying so long. This has been another edition of The Doctor Report. Have a great week, everybody. Yeah.